0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I hope that the new year has been treating you well. Um, I'm feeling really good about 2020. There's so much to look forward to, so many fun activities and learning opportunities. So yeah, I hope that you guys are easing into the new year. Um, Guys, I'm really excited for today's episode. Um, I am all about clever hashtags. And I tell you what, my friend Don over at Running Dogs in Toronto, Canada, uh, he came up with a hashtag called give your dog a raise and I think it's brilliant and I'm so excited to share a conversation. But before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to give you a few quick updates. So Colorado people, I have been doing a dog bite prevention presentation for elementary aged kids and I would love to present at your school if you can connect me with who can get me set up there. I have been running into some roadblocks as far as like getting into contact with people at school. So I am really hoping for your help and support in that. So if you can help connect me with an elementary school um, in the Denver metro area, please just send me an Instagram over on um Send me, I'm sorry, a DM over on the Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO and um, let me know how to get into contact with those people. So, guys, uh, things are pretty good here in Colorado. Like I said, there's a lot to look forward to. The dogs and I have gotten a few hikes in um, and I'm just really just kind of batten down the hatches and working on a bunch of projects. Um, I'm really excited. Reactive dog owners, I've got some amazing stuff coming at you. So if you're not on my email list, um, please go ahead and join because all of my reactive dog training tips are going to go exclusively to the email list. So um, you can get on the email list by heading to my website, agfdogtraining.com, and there will be a pop-up form and you can get um, access to my ebook on enrichment. And then I will have your email and you will be in the know about the reactive dog Stuff that I have coming at you. So. Yeah, that's what I've kind of been working on. So, um, guys, let me tell you a little bit about Don. Don Hutton is a Karen Pryor Academy certified training partner, and he owns and runs uh, Running Dogs based in Toronto, Canada. And it was just a total delight to kind of chat with him. So, I really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Um, We would love it if you would use his hashtag, uh, give your dog a raise, and tag us both so that we can see how you are um, increasing the payment that you're giving to your dog. So. Enjoy this episode,
1: uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. We are so happy to have you. I know that there are a lot of podcasts, and I know that time is a limited resource. So we appreciate you spending your time with us. So my special guest, John, is here, and I. Um, if you guys are on Instagram, you should definitely follow him. But he started a hashtag, right? Give your dog a raise. And it makes me so happy. I just feel delighted when I even hear it or think about it. So Dawn, can you kind of tell us like what your intention was with, the, with this hashtag?
2: Absolutely. And, and thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on your podcast. What a privilege. <laughs> uh, yeah, give your dog a raise. Um, this is something that just came up. Um, it just jumped out of my mouth in a conversation with a client a little while back. And um, you know, it was sort of in reference to a situation with a dog that was just a little bit nervous. I asked if they'd been using treats here and there and and I encouraged them to just double it, you know, like give their dog a raise and it didn't even matter what it was for. I was hoping to have a general positive impact on this dog's just experience in the world and um and, and I thought that this could be a really easy, simple way of of, of putting something uh for them and in kind of in a, a cute, funny way that I hoped they would um they would uh, jump on, and since then it, it it's been coming out of my mouth time and time again with different uh, with different clients, and eventually, yeah, I marked this. I made this this hashtag, and, and got a lot of great uh, feedback. Tons of people were like feeding their dogs silly things for fantastic behaviors, and uh, it was really cool to see it sort of uh, take off a little bit. Um, but I guess the the intention behind it is really just to uh, encourage people to consider all the different ways that they could reward their dog. I mean, there, there's, there's likely a ton of things your dogs are doing that are pretty awesome that you'd love to see happening more often that we, that we let slide by. Uh, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And all of the wonderful stuff that the dogs, your dogs do um, doesn't necessarily get the attention. So that's sort of the, the hope with the hashtag is recognize more of those things, pay your dogs, compensate them because great behavior needs to be compensated. And, uh, and and sometimes even just feeding them some ridiculous stuff you never thought of ever feeding them before can yield some like wild results. And so I think it's fun. And that's what I'm sort of hoping for. We can see some great results and have some fun too.
1: Yes, I love that. And um, so I loved your video. Is, is it pastries that ten your dog, really likes?
2: Oh, Tennessee loves pastries, like croissants. <laughs> Uh, he loses, you know, cheese croissants, whatever croissants. Like he's, he just goes bonkers for um, pizza crusts are a big one too. I'm like a, I'm like a chronic pizza crust saver now. Like they all come <laughs> on the road and grab a slice. Like that pizza crust is coming home in my pocket because it's one of his favorite things out there.
1: Yeah, well, and I think it matters, right? Because like I feel like as dog trainers, we can give advice, but if we're not really implementing it, is it really effective? And you are implementing it, and I think that that just makes it. I think that that's why it's contagious. You know what I mean? Because people see the joy between your, you and your dog and realize that like that's replicable, right? Like I can do that with my dog too. Do yeah. That.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh yeah, and I, I do like kind of show, I, I think there's, I noticed a lot in my, as I continue to learn more and more, I wonder if I'm still in it right now, but I, every time I reflect, you know, I've been a advocate of, like evidence-based force-free positive reinforcement training, et cetera, et cetera, you know, for, for years now, but in retrospect, I can still see how I was like, I was a little stingy along the way, you know, I, I was on board theoretically, but when it came to practice, I I kept learning that I could be like more and more generous and get more and more results. And so I'm trying to kind of get people to jump on board with me on, on that sort of way of thinking of really, trying to lean into just being more generous with our dogs.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, and my listeners know this, um, but you know, positive reinforcement, right? So the objective with positive reinforcement is to give the dog something that they like to increase the likelihood that the behavior will continue. Right. And that's what all of this is operating from. Right. And while, you know, yeah. positive reinforcement seems like a really simple concept. There are so many manifestations of that with our dogs and, you know, just using bland treats versus really good treats, like it, it can operate in such a m- more meaningful way. And I think, you know, that's really what we're trying to convey here, guys, is that, you know, yes, you can use just normal treats. Yes, you can just use like the run of the mill kibble, but there's a lot to gain from really increasing the value in which and the frequency in which the dog is getting rewarded. So um, I think that you know, I like this analogy, right? Like that, the payment, right? Like the the currency analogy, right? That like, you know, I obviously am much more inclined to work for $100 bills than I am to work for $1 bills. So Don, how do you how do you like to convey this message, right? Like why value matters and like what that looks like for our dogs?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, the common way I describe this with people that I'm working with, particularly when we're trying to resolve a uh you know uh, an issue the dog's having you know barking at other dogs when it's on leash or, or something like that it's one that i you know is probably describes um a, a good chunk of my clients and, and most people are just they really want to be able to turn this around as, as effectively as possible you know, like they're, they're just they're waiting for that day where they can just go for a peaceful walk and not feel, you know, that their dog is stressed or that they're feeling embarrassed or whatever. So the way that I describe this is I said, look, you, you've got to we're going to reward your dog a lot for the behaviors that we want. But we also have a bunch of choices about different things that we could try and we could use um, the average treats and we could use higher value treats and we could use really exceptional value treats. And, and the difference between those options are going to be the long way the shorter way and the fast way. <laughs> you know? If you want to get there sooner, we just need to motivate the behavior that we want. And, and we can motivate it a bit or we can motivate it a lot. And, and with really high value, exciting things, each repetition is just packing more punch than it would otherwise.
1: Right. And, you know, and I know that a lot of the lovely people listening are reactive dog owners, right? And I know that that's like a really common um, challenge for people. And I want you guys to know that if you increase the treat value, right? I feel like just even as a baseline, that's going to get you much closer to your end goal a lot sooner, right? Right. So, you know, it's it's as easy as that. If you want to get there faster, use better food. Well, use better reinforcements. It doesn't always have to be food, right? And I think that,
2: yeah,
1: But you know, the vast majority of time we are using food because it's easy to dispense, right? And it's easy to mark and reward, but it doesn't just have to be food, right? So I think that you can get really creative with giving your dog a raise. And, you know, and I think that's something that you touched on earlier. I want to kind of just circle back to is that like, I feel the same way, right? That like in my experience, I've always I've always been an advocate for positive reinforcement and least intrusive, minimally aversive. But I think I was still hanging on to some of these old expectations about what our dogs should and shouldn't do. And I think that that limited my ability to be more generous and let my dogs do things that maybe previously I wouldn't have, right? And behind every yeah. lesson is a dog, obviously, right? And, and my young dog, Waylon, my listeners know this. He taught me a lot about letting rewards that I, I don't really find that exciting that he finds really exciting be his freaking reward, right? Like maybe it's okay. If he eats goose poop sometimes, maybe it's okay. If he eats a dead animal carcass that he's found, you know what I mean? And like recognizing like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this black and white, like, no, you can't have that thing. Right. And I think that, you know, seeing those, those, you know, disgusting things in some cases as opportunities to reinforce behavior i think it's just a much more empowering enjoyable experience for the team than it was before
2: yeah yep yeah, absolutely um and i know uh, i mean it's funny that you say that because every once in a while my guy tennessee will um find some horrible carcass, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and in our early days, you know, I was mostly just really flustered by that. I would, uh, I'd get really upset and I would like feebly try to like chase him down and get it, which was, you yes! know. Yes.
1: Oh my God. You know? It sucks. It sucks to do that too. Like chasing the dog or trying to get something from them is not a very fun feeling.
2: And he was not having any of it. And he is a, a, a far more physically gifted creature than I am. <laughs> But using those as, as rewards in a sort of way is that I, I would actually start to approach him in a really relaxed sort of way as if I'm not gonna take it because I wasn't gonna take it. And I would just toss him a couple of treats while I was in proximity and then I would leave. And I had to like kind of swallow the, the the gross like idea that I was just gonna like let him have that. Um, of course, I didn't have an option. He was gonna have it one way or another. I was <laughs> kind of strategized for the future. But we've gotten to a really amazing point where if he catches something just terrible like he's you know dragging around some dead fish or something I'll go oh my god what is that oh wow you know and I'll come up with a lot of curiosity I'll say like wow what are what are you doing and he'll wag his tail and look it up at me and I'll give him some treats and at this point I have on one or two occasions taken something away from him because I've been like this is not good (laughs) but if it is literally just like you know a stinky thing that's not the worst I'll reward him for disengaging with it. And then I'll let him have it back. And now, I don't know. I just had to let go of of this idea of like, he can't have any of these things because there's no way I can stop him. But he will let me have something so long as he gets to keep the thing most of the time.
1: Yeah, right. Well, and I think, you know, freeing yourself of this like mindset where like you have to take things from your dog, I think can be really freeing, you know? and like. Yes, there's obviously like dangers in some things, right? And we do our best to mitigate danger and stuff like that. But I think that allowing our dogs to do natural dog stuff and not like feeling like we have to take things, I think that there's so much to gain in our relationship from that moment on that it's worth it right? It's worth it because, you know, and like, I've totally been in that situation. I can remember vividly Waylon was like maybe six months old and we were hiking. He was awfully. She found a deer leg and I like stomped over there and I tried to take it from him like a total jerk. And first of all, that sucks, right? Like feeling like that totally sucks. And I learned a really valuable lesson in that moment. And I'm very grateful for him to teach me that. You know what I mean? Like we don't just take things, right? We need to form a dialogue with our dogs about the value of you can't if you give it up. There's this to gain, right?
2: Totally, and I, I think you you couldn't have said it better. Forming a dialogue with your dog, like you, they need to understand that these situations, you know, don't always. I mean, it's so funny what, in that situation where I feel like we start to show a ton of possessive behavior, right? Like all yes. of a sudden, you become determined and like emotional about like, give me that damn thing. But um, yeah, it's it's a, and, and I mean, to, I think like a you know a deer leg while like you know a bit grotesque is also probably a a great sort of thing where I'm like that's I'd much rather he found a deer leg that's one where I would be like you know what keep it
1: yeah for sure
2: bring bring it along for a bit I mean if it's like a rotten sandy gross oily fish like that might be one where I'm like I don't want to leave this with you it's making (laughs) yeah Yeah,
1: for sure for sure oh don't (laughs) worry I definitely have had to trade Waylon for a rotten fish too so Bless him. He finds lots of treasures. That's what I've coined it. His treasure hunt. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, okay. So something that I think that I think people are getting better about understanding, but I want to be really clear about this now is that you absolutely should and can be giving your dog human food, quote unquote, human food.
2: Totally. I almost exclusively feed 10 human food. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, well, and I think, you know, I think that the the words are wrong. It's not human food. It's real, whole food, right? Totally. Like, it's it's not just ours for the taking, right? It's, a, it's such a, like, a self-indulgent thing for us to be like, oh, it's human food. Like, no, it's not. It's food. Yeah. It's real, whole food. And all creatures should be eating real, whole food.
2: Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I feel like the, I sometimes, you know, I've, got a little like reverse engineered story in my mind about where the whole dogs can't eat human food thing came from. And I, it, to me, it sounds like, a it sounds like just such a simple thing to tell a child, you know, and then I can imagine, you know, like decades past, you're like, I don't know, I can't really explain to the this this my, my child, like how to understand different contexts where this makes sense and doesn't make sense. So it's just no human food, the dog gets that, you get this, no crossing. but. I, I think, and, and I think that probably really pivots mostly around, like, a feeding a dog at the dining room table sort of situation.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But I think it's, yeah, people, I, I think it's it's really, like, ballooned into its own, you know, hyper-literal sort of thing, where it's like, you're doing, you might do your dog some harm if they ate some cheese or something, you know? And, and, I, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, they've got such, for the most part, such, like, incredible, resilient guts that can eat. You know, trash or rotten fish. You know, yeah. you, you know, could eat so many things and actually and, and and do well on it that um, it's just such. When I think when you you step back and look at it, the notion that dogs shouldn't eat human food is it's a bit absurd, really.
1: Yeah, I, it really <laughs> is. It really is, and and that's okay, right? Because. You know it's like we're all growing we're all evolving we're all learning and now we can do the work to let go of some of these like misnomers that aren't serving us in our relationships with our dogs anymore right so um you know obviously there are some things that are toxic to dogs right grapes raisins chocolate come to mind right like yes there are some quote-unquote human foods that you shouldn't be giving your dog but I think that you know outside of that there's this huge great vast world of food that we can be using strategically as reinforcements and I think that that's a thing to be celebrated right not feared
2: yeah absolutely and you know I find a lot of like the the majority of of like quote like dog treats out there that that a lot of people are using I mean I think a, a really primary motivation behind a lot of those things is convenience you know um so everything's sort of freeze-dried or or dehydrated and and, and some of those things are absolutely wonderful healthy high value sorts of things it's it's not a this isn't a a a broad stroke sort of thing but i do think that uh, a more uh sticky smelly greasy things are less marketable but (laughs) oftentimes uh way more valuable and and if you're okay to sort of play with some of those things especially if you know if you can get over, you know, using, like, bits of, you know, shredded chicken or something like that as a reward, again, especially if you're facing, like, a tough behavior issue, you you really, if you can get over that and use something like that, you're going to be doing uh, so much better. You know, things are going to move along so much faster than they would have otherwise. So I've, I've played with a lot of, like, gross, icky, sticky things, and sometimes I still do for, like, big-time recall jackpots or something like that. Um, but I think it's it's uh interesting to look at like what's just at the deli counter or what you know what sort of like different cheeses and stuff like that uh, you know somebody recently said oh yeah I've been using feta cheese and it's just blowing my dog's mind you know and I was like that's great I've never I've never used feta cheese you know I'm a big cheddar guy but yeah um, for I, sure I, I can see it it's like it's it's got a good smell to it I bet I bet ten would lose his mind for some feta
1: yeah for sure well and I think you know. All of, you know, personal experience for sure for the both of us. But I think that, you know, recall is definitely a, a hot t- a hot ticket item, right? Like people want a dog who comes when called. And I agree. I always want my dog to come when called. And I think that, you know, in those awfully circumstances where the dog is faced with a lot of really exciting stimulus, it's even more pressing that we're using the goods, the goods. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. your, your round cut, like, training treats are not going to cut it there. Right. Yeah. And if they do, you are spoiled and you will not get spoiled again with your second dog. I promise you that. So. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, you know, what really got me into this was, um, was working on some emergency recall work, um, charging up a, a dog whistle, uh, with Tennessee so that I felt more comfortable and more able to take them on, all of the canoe trips and the hikes and stuff that we do. We do a lot of outdoor stuff. We go to a lot of like brand new wilderness locations and, and he's not bad at all. Like he's he sticks around, but um, I just wanted to know that I had something that packed a little more punch if I needed it. So that whistle goes around my neck. I bring it everywhere, but I've really invested in it. And I invested in repetitions of that whistle with with croissants, with tripe, with cat food, with an egg McMuffin with that yeah like i'm uh, trying to think of like other things you know like I, I i started to use so many different things that just his eyes just popped out of his head and so when he hears that whistle it's just it's really it's it's really in there and if i if i could i would just shout out my friend allison who um who got me on that it's been one of the most favorite things that i've ever done is doing this emergency jackpot recall uh work with with tennessee it's afforded me you know the ability to confidently take him into so many different places um for whatever it's worth she's she's, uh I love your dog Halliburton on Instagram and and she's a fantastic trainer who helps me out with a, a lot of stuff when I've got tricky cases and need to bounce some ideas around
1: yeah that's amazing yeah and I definitely I love following her Allison shout out girl you're amazing um but yeah and I think you know really systematically using the whistle and those high value reinforcements like it can be a much smoother and I think you know reliable behavior than some of our like willy-nilly like oh come here's a dry biscuit right so there's a lot to gain by really being thoughtful right okay so i want to touch on something that i know that a lot of my listeners were concerned about is the idea that the dog is only working for you for the food and, and i don't know what this is like i don't know why this is like stuck i think it's like kind of like a cultural thing in a lot of circumstances but yeah. i feel like our ego comes into play and we're like well the dog is only working because i have the food and right. sure they are right in a lot of ways they are <laughs> right there's yeah. nothing wrong with that right like what's yeah. wrong with that right like i show up to work for a paycheck I yeah. know everyone listening here shows up to work for a paycheck. So mm-hmm. I think that being worried about the dog only working for food, I want I just want to reframe that, right? So that people can realize that like that's not a bad thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like a bit of a a bit of a paradigm shift, you know, because I think even and again we already touched on kind of, you know, being into the positive reinforcement stuff but still recognizing, in retrospect, being a little stingy about this and that and how, how rewarding am I being? I, I think that that was my experience and I think that still speaks a little bit to this mentality that that's, revolves a bit more around this, like, because they should sort of attitude, you know? And it, it, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's very like servant-like, you know, it's like, no, we don't need to compensate them, but they should still just do the behavior. And it's a real, it's a really, sticky, difficult thing to get over, I think, um, uh, sort of philosophically for, for a lot of people, but, but, but the, you know, I've, I've, been, I've had such a, a great time coaching people through that and having them be like, oh my goodness, my dog just comes running with such enthusiasm now. And you're like, all you've done is you just started to like compensate your dog. You just started to pay them for some of that behavior. And all of a sudden, they're just so lovely. They're not shrugging you off anymore. You know, it's a. Uh... So I think it is. It's it's tough because it's it's very residual. It's very like in the the zeitgeist. People are resistant to using food. Worried about the fact that their dog's only going to come if, if they have food. And I think there's you know there's some nitty gritty like training bits and pieces. You know, if you're if you're really tight about the order of things and your mechanics, um, you don't end up with a lot of food contingent um, behaviors. But you still do rely on making sure that the consequences of the behaviors are just so worthwhile that they love performing them. And, and that for a lot of dogs, a lot of dogs involved suit.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and like, you know, guys, I want you to understand that you can absolutely systematically, like Don is saying, get a lot of behavior before the reward comes. You can be creative about, maybe delaying the reinforcement reinforcer. And if you want help with that, like reach out to a trainer, right? Like that's the nitty gritty stuff that we love and want to share with you. But I think that seriously, even just as a baseline, just increasing the value of food that you give and how often you give it can have just a hugely positive impact on your dog's responsiveness and your ability to work and navigate the world as a team. And, you know, I, i i don't think that it's a bad thing to always have to use food right like we're not talking about competition obedience here right we're talking about day to day every day of your life you are out with your dog so you know i think that there's always this push like we got to get rid of the food we got to get rid of the food and i want to empower you guys to know that like you don't have to get rid of the food right like I hike with my dogs two or three times a week and I always bring food. It is not hard to change the routine It is not hard to prep and bring that stuff with me. And that's just part of dog ownership. Right. So, yeah. So I I just, I want to free you guys of thinking that you have to get rid of the food because you don't, you don't have to.
2: It, it honestly, I think once you get over like the mental hump of just being like, I'm gonna wear this bait bag, I'm gonna wear this 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 treat pouch, I'm gonna bring some some interesting treats with me, and it's just gonna be part of my standard kit. Once you get over that hump, I think like everything is just easier. You just you just have a nicer time, lower stress. You've got like great compliance. Your dog is doing things you need to do. It affords you and your dog more opportunities to do more cool stuff. It's it's really a it's a simple, it's a simple, simple thing that can, uh, that can just make things so much easier and help a lot.
1: Well, and I think really looking at it is the possibilities that become your reality because you have food and focusing on that instead of this weird, like, well, I don't want to have to have food with me all the time. Like, okay, well you have a dog. You need to just do that. (laughs) Just make that change. Just do that. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, you know, there are those dogs out there that just, Stick by your side, you know. That just like they hear a thing and they're like, oh, will be right there," you know. And and they don't need, you know. Some of these behaviors seem to just be inherently rewarding for them. They don't need a lot of compensation, or or if they do, that compensation is coming uh, in exchange with, you know, just a good ear scratch, whatever. Those those dogs are out there, but I feel like they are um, highly overrepresented. You know, if you think people feel like a lot of their dog should be like that dog that you know, who Who knows, I'm going to just pull a number, out, but, but say like, as you know, represents like 5% of dogs out there. It's right. just not um, representative of, of the average. And uh, the average dog needs compensation, you know, and, and some of the on the other side of the spectrum, some dogs need like a good bit more compensation. And that's just how they are.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think that that brings up a really good point, because I know that a lot of my listeners were really kind of concerned about like, um, creating quote unquote beggars, right? And creating dogs who are maybe more focused on, on you than you want. So I really want to preface this, that if you have a dog that is more focused on you than you want, mm. you are freaking lucky. Okay. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's like you're saying, Don, right? Like that is not the norm, right? Like right. that is not the vast majority of the dogs. And I am spoiled. Tiva spoils the shit out of me. Teva is like, just always she's like so what are you doing like she genuinely cares she wants to know what i'm doing and while she's amazing that gave me a false sense of what i needed to convey to other people about what they needed to do in off-reach settings and a lot of other settings you know what i mean so you know if you have a dog that's super centered and focused on you you definitely have the luxury of rewarding less behavior with food yeah right? Like you have that luxury, like, and and that's real, but for everyone else, we're with you, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're with you. And, you know, and these dogs mean they need to be reinforced more if you want to be taking them in these scenarios where they can be off leash when there are these distraction levels and not even just an off leash context. Right. But I think that that's definitely one in which that like, you know, Waylon is not super focused on me in a lot of ways and he's the type of dog that like when he's offering his attention he's always getting paid
2: yeah yeah and and I I think um Waylon sounds a bit like Tennessee as well he's a very independent sort of dog loves spending time with me but when we're out there in the bush he's he's exploring he's running around he's smelling he's and and you know I'll call him sometimes and he'll like kind of check in and be like I see you dude like you're, you're right there you know and, and <laughs> I know and where I'm you like,
1: are just relax <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, so, and so you know if those are situations where I need him I reserve a couple uh special words or that whistle when I'm like no no I actually need you now but for the most part a lot of our recall stuff is is a lot of just attention getters um if he's checking in with me I'm happy um I've got a whole little bucket of language for recall stuff with him that I don't Need him to be super compliant with, you know. These are things that he generally is, but if he shrugs off, um, you know, a, hey this way, come here, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not upset. I know that that works in certain circumstances, and he shrugs it off in more distracting circumstances. So I, I keep a couple aces up my sleeve if I need something, but also um, he's pretty independent, and 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 for that reason, like you said, I do really try to recognize all the times he's offering attention and make those worthwhile but to see that more often, and and I do see that more often.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I want to touch on something that I know is pressing for a lot of people, this whole worry that the dog is going to be begging from the table. And I I, I want to just kind of give you my thoughts and then I I want to hear yours, but I, I don't see it as begging. I see it as a dog offering a reinforced behavior, which is exactly what I want. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, if you don't want your dog to eat from the table, don't feed them from the table. But like, for me, that's, that's not it. That's a non-issue, right? Like my dogs eat, they get food from the table that I hand them because they lie down and stay there and wait for it. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. that's a trained behavior that I put a lot of reinforcement in because I want that behavior.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I want
1: it to translate when we're on the patio, when we're at a friend's house, when we're at a family member's house for a holiday. You know what I yes. mean? So yeah. what are your thoughts on like begging and begging from the table? Cause I, I know it's a worry for some people.
2: For sure, and I mean, I think you nailed it with just just saying you you know like you just don't feed them in that context. that You don't want them to be performing, and you know if they're if they're you know just drooling on your knee while you you know eat dinner, like that's you know it's a bit inconvenient. Make sure they don't get something in that. Give them a, an alternative thing to do, um, and, and 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 reward them for that. Uh, but, you know, I have a funny experience that happens to me oftentimes because I'm always carrying a bit of food when I go on walks with ten, and sometimes we'll run into. Another dog, and that dog will just be like, Oh my god, what is that? <laughs> yeah. and just like, you know, harassing me or begging for food. And right away, I the first thought that comes to mind is like, This dog probably hasn't been trained with food because if you are actively feeding your dog and thinking about when and why you're feeding them, it's so much more likely. Like, if Ten smells something delicious on somebody else, he sits there and he wags at them and he gives them these big love eyes and does his biggest, best flirty moves because. That's how, that's that's how he works me. You know, (laughs) know, he he gives me these big love eyes He does this huge head dip that I just, that just kills me every time and I feed him. So he's, he throws some really, his begging is actually like just really polite and and pretty cute and and I'm cool with that because he's not leaping on people. He's not diving into pockets and whatnot. But I, I do have to, there's one thing, this is so not traditionally advised but lately, we've got a very new behavior that's uh, that I'm just just capturing. But if I'm sitting down on my couch, tens I can't I won't describe it. But his bed is sort of behind the couch in the way that it is. And uh, recently, I was eating some pizza, and I feel like pizza is going to keep coming up. <laughs> and um, and I heard him and i turned around and he was peeking at me and and as it just his nose kind of fits over the height when he's sitting over the height of the couch And i was like oh that's pretty cute but i was like i'm not gonna beat you this is you know and then he just will he just walloped the back of the couch with his paw and looked at me with a head tilt and i was like "God oh, damn it and i <laughs> found him more and i was like this is this is hilarious i love it and now he's got this like adorable but you know will probably become a nuisance behavior but i like, i like it so much and also, I'm thoughtful about, I'm not going to just reinforce it, reinforce it, reinforce it. I know it can become a nuisance, but also the way that I think about him and food and begging and this and that is it's so not a problem. I know that if this becomes a thing, I can extinguish it pretty quickly. I like it. It makes me feel good. I think it's cute. And, and so, you know, and I can choose to reinforce that. And, and, uh, and I have been, <laughs> and I've been loving it.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that that brings up a good point about like, in so many ways, like it's your dog and you you get to make the rules as far as like, ex, ex, quote unquote, acceptable or unacceptable behavior. You know yep. what I mean? And like, I think that that's something that's definitely surprising to a lot of my clients to hear like some of the behaviors, like jumping, for instance, my dogs love people. They jump, yeah. they've yeah. gotten reinforced for it. I have done right. nothing to change that. You know what I mean? And like they're my dogs, it's my rules, and I get to set that up. And like, yes, I have to be careful about management when I think that they would jump and it's not appropriate, but you know, like you you don't have to operate inside of this box in which you think that like you're you're abiding by like the dog laws. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, I think that you have to decide the rules. Um so I want to touch on something. Okay, so I want to go back to like you're wearing food, your, your pouch, and the dog comes over and it is bothering and investigating, right? Because yeah. I know in a lot of circumstances, you know, like I see this a lot in like dog park settings where people are like, well, why do you have food on you? And my question is always like, well, why don't you?
2: Right, yeah. Right,
1: yeah. right. And I think that, you know, in that circumstance, if that owner had food, they could recall the dog back right? And it could be just that easy. It could be just yep. that easy, right? And I think, you know, I just want to em- empower the dog community that like, have food on you. If a dog is bothering your tree patch, just ignore them. And hopefully yes. the, uh, the other owner has food and they can call them back. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's much simpler than I think that, you know, the rabbit hole that people kind of want to go down, with, like you having yeah. food and another dog bothering you.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think all of those, you know, that, that sort of situation It shows me, I'm like, wow, this dog is really excited about some food. Like, what a great bit of information. You know, like if I was working with this dog, I'd be like, boom, like whatever I'm packing right now means the world to you. I can leverage this. I can use this strategically, and we can shape a ton of really great behavior that's going to make your life, like, awesome and easier, like, you know, dog and person. Um, When I see that sort of drive and excitement, all I think about is potential. I mean, I might be seeing some behavior they don't prefer, But I'm like, this, but you're also like, you're just trying your best right now. You're doing whatever you can to get this treat because it means a lot to you. And that's exciting to me. You know, I like seeing that sort of like excitement because it's like, oh, I know how to, how to, you know, tweak the situation a little bit and start seeing a lot of lovely stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I love your word leveraging, right? Because that's what we're doing. We're very creatively leveraging what our dogs want, love and want to work for. I'm using that to our advantage in training. And I think that that is like the most smart strategic training, training that you can be doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I like thinking about that. There's And, and you know, back to, to food or not food, it's just like, hey, if your dog is doing something that's really bothering you, but they're really into it, there's probably a way that we can use what's happening. We can flip it on its head and use it in a way that, like, serves both of our purposes. Because if that dog is just pulling so hard to get somewhere or, you know, whatever it is they're demonstrating a really strong motivation to do something. And and knowing, recognizing that there are so often ways that we can, again, sort of flip that to our advantage and the dog's advantage by giving them whatever it is they want, but creating contingencies for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a much better headspace to be in, right? Instead of being frustrated, like, my God, my dog won't stop chasing squirrels. When really the question should be, what can I do to use the squirrel chasing to reinforce something that I want, right? So I really want to encourage you guys to like, you know, because, you know, none of us are immune to being frustrated, but I want you to look at situations and write it down, literally write it down. What's the thing you don't want? I don't want the dog to chase the squirrel okay well obviously the dog wants to chase the squirrel so what are you willing to settle for what behavior maybe the dog walks at your side for a little bit you release them to the squirrel you know and relationships are give and take it's never going to be like you just going to do this because you want to do it or just the dog right like there's a lot of give and take but i want you to really like reframe that stuff and write it down and be like okay this is what i don't want and how could i switch it so that the dog gets what they want and i get what i want
2: absolutely and i love your suggestion to write it down i you know, it's, I give that advice often, and I don't take it myself very often. I'm not right. that great at like intentionally writing it down, like writing down my plans. Like, I, it's 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 in there in my head, but I I know particularly when uh, working with with somebody who's is you know trying to figure out a, a, a sticky behavior issue, it's like you write those things down, and it helps immensely. It's uh, it's so good to just. Be reminded like, that is my goal, you know, and... and uh, yeah, for you're, sure. You're well, writing we, it down.
1: We all get spoiled, right? We all get spoiled and, like, things are going well and we don't have to really reflect on those things, you know? And then we also get spoiled in the fact that we get a dog. Like, I have Waylon to thank for some of these practices and protocols that, like, I was advising but I wasn't implementing you right. know? So I have, I have him to thank for that. Oh my God. Wayland. He's only three. I'm like, what else is he going to teach? Him? But, anyways, but anyways, okay. So I want to talk about careful planning and portion control, because I know that a lot of people are worried about calories and weight gain and, you know, nutrients and stuff like that. So um what do you suggest in that way like what is your go-to like what do you do with 10 like if you know you're going to go out you're going to be in the woods you're going to be delivering a lot of high value reinforcement like how are you accounting for that in his like normal daily rations and meals
2: so I have, i'll have to admit that like i think we've just been it's been years now so we've struck just sort of a balance um he he gets fed you know sort of one of two size portions and they tend to you know, uh, and this is just his daily sort of uh, whatever he eats. His, his weight's very consistent. Sometimes he's up a couple, sometimes he's down a couple, and I adjust his food accordingly. And the variable that I think a lot of people are worried about is like, well, how many treats am I giving them, and am I, is my dog just going to you know get a little chubby with this sort of <laughs> this sort of routine? And uh, for me, it's, it's it works out pretty well. I feed him pretty regularly, um, treat wise. And I have, you know, I feed him pretty regularly, normal meal-wise, and and I just weigh him from time to time to sort of check on that. And I do think, you know, if you're worried about feeding too much treat-wise and how that affects uh, nutrition and and maybe just, you know, and, and body weight, um, you know, weighing your dog from time to time just to kind of see, hey, what are the trends? And have I been treating them sort of in a consistent way? Um, Likely, you know, you may have the same experience, but for me, I'm often telling people to start treating their dogs more. So that's a change in their routine, and they may find, "Hey, my dog is putting on a little bit of weight." I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about like awesome nutrition stuff, but I'm still a little bit biased towards behavior. And I would say, in a lot of cases, let's figure out this behavior issue, and let's not let's let's just shelf like putting on the weight or the you know nutritional stuff just a little bit until we get this sorted out. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll sort of, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. But I think one thing that you mentioned there, like a really easy systematic way to, uh, to work around this, where we can kind of control that variable, of like how many treats are they getting, are just a portion of them. You say like, you know what, today I have 50 treats, you know, um, divided up. You get, you get 50 treats every day. And uh, you know what, if I used 40 of them, I'll throw those other 10 in your, in your dinner dish, you know? Um, in that way, now we know what's the regular input for the, the meals. What's the regular sort of cal- caloric input for the uh, for the treats. And that's all, we have just controlled the variables. If, if you're feeling sort of picky about it. And, and I don't think that's, it's not wrong to be aware of that. And some dogs have, you know, health things and you're gonna wanna just be more on top of some of those details than, than maybe the average dog. Well,
1: yeah, and I think, you know, again, to writing things down, like, I very often ask my clients how much like portion wise they feed their dogs and they don't know. That's definitely something you want to get clear on. You, you want to know exactly how much you're feeding your dog um, because that allows a lot more flexibility, right? And you can account for some of that stuff. And you know, Don, I'm kind of with you on the, like the behavior over nutrition and you know, obviously nutrition is very important. It's integral to behavior, you know, but I think that if we're dealing with a really pressing behavior problem, right, where like people feel like they're so overwhelmed, they're at the wit's end, maybe their dog's safety is in, in in jeopardy and stuff like that. I definitely am more worried about the behavior change than I am the calories and the nutrients. But I think, you know, just for the average like dog and stuff like that, I think that you know, obviously taking into account like how much your dog eats and nutrients and stuff like that. But I think you could get creative. So like, say your dog eats kibble, maybe they get one kibble meal and then maybe they get like a freeze dried or some other balanced and complete meal as a higher value reinforcement. And you use that as training treats. You know, like I think that there's a lot of creative solutions to that to make sure that our dogs are still getting the nutrients and, you know, the portions that they need without overfeeding. Um, I am really lucky. I have the luxury of like, you know even though Tiva is an old lady my dogs are so active that like i can get away with extra calories you know what i mean yeah. so it definitely depends on the dog and then you know another question that i got when i asked my my wonderful followers over on the instagram is you know what are your suggestions for high value reinforcements for dogs who eat raw because i know you know what i mean and and you i know you home cook for ten and and i you know diy raw for my dogs too and i honestly have not run into this problem needing to find higher value reinforcements because of the raw food. What's your experience with that?
2: Y- you know what's funny is I like some of Ten's favorite things are trash. Like they're just not <laughs> <Right? good. laughs> they're like, you know like like I gonna this is this is a dirty little <laughs> secret of ours. Um, I will also buy like you know bulk bags of of classic you know baked little milk bone-like crackers, you know, they're, I buy the bag that's supposed to be for like the tiny dogs, but they're like really good little uh, treat portions for 10. He like, he loses his mind over them. And I, and, and it's, it's a bit of a balancing act because on one end, I'm invested, I've invested a lot of time and energy into like giving him really exceptional food. And then I'm out there treating him with these trashy little biscuits. Um, I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, and I think I could go the other direction, and I could be, you know, uh, he'll also go totally bananas for, um, for for any number of like fish-based things. That just gets, you know, and that could be really very healthy for him. Um, it's something that I love doing in the uh, in the winter here when you're just wearing mitts and it's and it's hard to dish out treats, and you get little, you know, dog nibbles on your hands. It's, it's a real pain when it's cold out, but um, I use squeeze tubes kind of like putting some uh putting some yogurt in so, you know like that can be I mean I haven't met too many dogs that are that shrug that off that's pretty exciting for a lot of dogs and yet it's also like you don't really like nutritionally sound you know you're getting a lot of great like active bacterial culture in there um it's it's those are those are good quality calories and so I think you can still play with it I, I don't think you know I've never really faced this issue of feeling like he's spoiled because of His diet, and therefore, doesn't care about other things. Like he cares about things that are also really good for him. He cares about things that are, you know, probably not great for.
1: (laughs) I think we can all share that sentiment, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I, I relate to it personally. I'm like, look, like this is definitely not good for me. But boy, like, do I feel like I deserve it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, and you know, obviously, you got to do what you think is best for your dog, but. I have also been known to take Tupperware and rubber gloves with me and fed yeah. the raw food wherever we were. You know what I mean? And like, if you want extraordinary behavior, you better be ready to step up and get it. So, you know, yeah. I think that that's just some of it, you know, like, um, yeah. and, and I agree. And I think that, you know, if you feed your dog raw and you feel like you can't find a, a reinforcement than, that is better than the food, then use the food as reinforcements. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like just get creative and bring that stuff with you. Right, it's
2: got to be creative things. Like I mean, even even like you know pre-made meatballs and stuff like that. You know, I mean those are you're you're getting into the same territory as what a lot of people are going to feed raw, and and uh, they can be pretty high value for a lot of
1: dogs yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah and you know i think really just quickly i want to touch on this because i think it's important because i know it's really cold in a lot of places in the world right now um is that you know the squeezy pouches that don is talking about there's so many ways to do that and they're so easy to use with gloves on so you know just a Absolutely. pro tip guys because yeah no slimy wet fingers when it's cold is super unenjoyable on the human end and i totally recognize that so your life can be easier <laughs>
2: <laughs> and there's tons of great, extremely high-value stuff you could put in there. You know, there's, like, uh, yogurt, uh, cottage cheese, uh, liverwurst, cat food. You know, like, you, you can put a ton of different things in there. And, you know, when you get into, like, cat, you know, you buy yourself some fancy cat food if you want, you know. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff in there that, like, blows dogs minds and, and, and is also really convenient in the winter. You don't even have to take your mitts off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So cold temperatures is no excuse not to give your dog a raise. Okay. So, um, I want to talk about what we stand to gain from giving our dogs a raise. So what is, what's been your experience with this?
2: I mean, I just, in, in one word, enthusiasm, You know, just like the way that uh, my, you know, previously very aloof, very independent, very like, I'll come when I'm ready, dog. You know, he comes bounding out of the bushes, you know, with bright eyes, tail wagging. I can't wait for like whatever it is you have. It's, it's, he's just so enthusiastic to offer so many things, you know? And and I think you can see that uh, with so many dogs. Once you're sort of putting something on the table, that's like, you know, I feel like I'm always seeing dogs thinking like, man, you really stepped it up. Let, yeah. Like let's do some work. I'm into this. Um, I think in short, it's 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 enthusiasm, but um you know, reliability for sure. Um having that, you know, that confidence and trust with your dog, like knowing that they're so likely to perform the thing that you're looking after, or or like totally sure. I know if I blow that whistle, like he's coming running like it, it means the world to him, you know, and to see that reliable, enthusiastic response. Um, that is, you know, that's, that's really, I think what a lot of people stand to gain, but point that same sort of, you know, approach it at some behavior issue you're working on, you know, at some whatever, like just some loose leash walking, like it could be your, your average sort of thing. It's going to happen a lot faster, a lot better, a lot more reliably. And with more enthusiasm when we're using exciting stuff
1: yeah well and i wanted to just touch on this just really quickly is that i think that sometimes people worry that by using high value treats frequently it'll lose some of its value and i don't know about for you but that has not been my experience at all i've continued to have really reliable consistent response from my dogs with yeah. continued high value reinforcement
2: yeah yeah absolutely and, and i mean back to the sort of the whistle recall thing Um, I find any time I brush up the whistle, like sometimes in the spring, I'll notice recall gets a little faulty. He's kind of those new smells around. Excuse me. In the spring, I'll find that I, uh, I'll just do another repetition. And sometimes it's just for me, right? Like sometimes I'm like, I just just need to remember again. Where
1: we're at here. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But anytime I I step back into some of those high value jackpot um, rewards, I notice that his recall in general just improves. You know, I think, peppering, you can have high value and really high value. And I I would always just stick to like good quality, high value stuff. But if you throw some like ultra high value things in there every once in a while, if you pepper your training routines with some extraordinary jackpots, I think you oftentimes uh, will see an overall impact. You know, that, that sort of variable reward system where like, hey, every once in a while, this is like mind blowing. I think it improves everything.
1: Yeah, no, and that's absolutely been my experience as well. And you know, obviously this podcast is about dogs and dog training, but you know, I've also seen a big impact in the way that I treat myself. And I think that the way that I interact with other people, you know what I mean? Like giving myself permission to be generous with my dogs, with myself, with other people. And I think that there's there's a lot of positive ripple effects that we can, you know, see from training our absolutely. dogs in other aspects and regards in our lives.
2: Yeah, that's, that's so, yeah, no, I, I, I totally feel the same way. And it's neat to hear you say that. And, and also just to, just to think about, I, I think about just generosity in general terms. And and sometimes it's really, it's in a, it's a really regular practice for me with my dog and with dogs that I work with. Um, and it does have a, it does have this trickle effect. I feel like we could always, sometimes being generous doesn't take that much more from you, you know? And um, it, it's, it's, it's something that we can find ways to um, put, you know, an offer on the table, so to speak, that's just like really exciting for whoever we're, you know, working with or, or talking to. And, and it doesn't actually take that much more for us. It's just a little bit of intention.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Okay. So Don, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you?
2: Yeah. So I am definitely most active on Instagram. Um, at running dogs, T O. So I'm in, uh, in Toronto, Canada as uh, so running dogs, T O. Um, I put most of my energy in it. I like the, the, the Instagram ecosystem. Yeah, me
1: too.
2: I have a Facebook page from the, of the same name, but it really is mostly just populated by my Instagram posts. Um, awesome. That's a good place. That's the best place to find me for sure.
1: Nice. Okay. So, guys, if you um, could please tag Dawn when you use the hashtag give your dog a raise, because I, I mean, it, it brings us immense joy seriously to like see people taking to heart what we're saying and just like seeing the joy and enthusiasm from the people and the dogs it's a really brilliant thing and positive reinforcement works for people and for dogs so guys please tag him so that um he can see that and we can experience and celebrate you
2: (laughs) yeah absolutely please do it, it it makes my heart sing every time I see somebody call their dog tearing over just to get some like Ridiculous new treat that they're trying out. It's, uh, it makes me happy. So yeah, tag it with the hashtag, give your dog a raise, and, uh, and tag me so that I can uh, I can share it as well because I love doing that.
1: Nice. Okay, Don. Thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Oh, it's been such a pleasure.
0: I know that CBD has kind of made a huge splash in the dog world, and you know, with good reason. CBD can go a long way in aiding your pet's anxiety, physical pain, and. You know, while CBD is huge, there's also a lot of not-so-good CBD on the market, but the ladies over at VetCS have analyzed and tested all of their products to make sure that it's the highest quality and caliber for your pets. The ladies over at VetCS not only make CBD for dogs, but they also make cat and horse products too. If you'd like to learn more about CBD for your dog, you can check out vetcs.com and you can use code disorderlydogs for 10% off your first purchase. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore You can also find us on Facebook at a good feeling dog training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com.